Well, another fantastic year of Out on the Paddock comes to an end as 2024 begins to beckon. My name is Rob Marshall. I am the chair of the WA Country Cricket Board and the host of Out on the Paddock. And it's a big welcome to everyone in this effectively final episode of this humble little podcast for 2023. And what a year it has been with some amazing guests in every episode. And our journey is going to continue in this episode. And boy, have we got a ripping guest. I'm absolutely so happy to uh, have this gentleman joining us. None other than our uh, Australian Country Cricket Championship winning coach and uh, coach of some of the best teams that we've put out in the Australian Country Cricket Championships for a long time. He's an absolute cricket nuffy by his own admission. Welcome to the podcast, Tim Edmonds. Thanks, Rob. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, Nuffy is a very, very good uh, way to describe me. I've been people have told me that, so I'm happy to take it. <laughs> We're going to tap into your inner Nuffy plenty today. Um, for those who don't know, I referenced it a moment ago. Tim Edmonds has been the uh, the coach of our Australian Country Cricket Championship winning men's team of the past uh, four or five years. We're going to dive right into that at some point and get some. Uh, some insights from the man himself earlier in an earlier episode or earlier this year, we heard from the the new coach of the Australian Country Cricket Championships, Sean Gillies. And about the time this episode goes to air, I reckon the championships will probably be in full swing or perhaps you're listening to this after the championships. So we're not going to speculate too much on on the upcoming championships in Newcastle for our Australian Country 11 uh, for the men's and women's, but we're going to talk about country cricket at that level at quite, uh, quite extensively today and tap into the insights of of Tim. But in a strange way, and he's looking at me, oh, he's about to look at me in a strange way, I think, because uh, I didn't prep him on this. We're going to kick off with doing something we've never done on Out of the Paddock before. And uh, yeah, there's the look. Um, <laughs> we're going to... Uh, We're going to do something very exciting and I'm really uh, pleased to be able to do this and it may well start a tradition and we'll see how we go. One of the most important awards that we have in WA Country Cricket is our WA Country Cricket Board Recognition Award. It's awarded, um, well, not every year. It's only awarded when deemed appropriate and when deemed fit and we've had some amazing award winners across the a long journey of the WA Country Cricket Board. I'm just going to read to you a part of the criteria for this award. The WA Country Cricket Board Recognition Award is intended to acknowledge people who have made a valuable contribution to country cr- cricket on a statewide and or regional basis. The contribution must extend beyond association or club level. Suitable nominees can be administrators, players, coaches, or even paid employees. This award will be presented at the recipient's local association presentation function at the end of the season by the Country Cricket Board chairman or his representative. We call for nominees every year, and in some years, we've deemed it fit that there hasn't been anybody worthy, you could say, of winning the award for that particular year. But this year, I'm really, really pleased to announce in a first for out on the paddock that uh, our award winner, our Country Cricket Board Recognition Award winner for 2023 is, in fact, Tim Edmonds. Congratulations, Tim. Yeah, um, a bit specialist, Rob. Um, I don't really, I don't really see these awards for. Uh, I see these awards for people who've made decades and decades of service um, to the sport and, and the sport they love. And obviously, I've known, I know quite a few of the uh, the past winners. And um, yeah, if, you know, for the likes of, for example, who was my manager and you know Steve Phillippe, you know, it was a couple of years ago he was presented with the award and the contribution he had made. So yeah, I, <laughs> I've you know, I've always loved what I do, um, and it never really probably myself in, in the same echelon as some of those previous award winners, so I'm, yeah, I'm truly honoured. It is a huge award and um, a lot of thought, a lot of time is put into who we recognise and, and um, mate, I've got to say, first of all, huge congratulations on behalf of all of WA Country Cricket. As you've said, we've had some amazing award winners over the journey uh, and I'm going to circle back to that in a moment, but 
The award itself is something that uh, we tra- cherish as a country cricket board and, uh, con- as I said, huge congratulations. We're, gonna, we're not going to get too deep, mate, because we don't want to sort of embarrass you, but uh, I am going to dig into your inner nuffy um, because I know you just love stats. I know you love uh, the history of country cricket and uh, all things that go with it, including potentially the recognition awards. So here's my first power surge for this episode. I'm going to sort of split the surge up a bit. I'm going to claim my overs as I choose, as you can when you host. Can you name five former country cricket board recognition winners, not including yourself? Okay. Um, Brian Evans was last year. Very good. Steve Phillippe. Yes. Ross Stephen. Yes. Well Ross done. Stephen was actually yeah. one of my, my first coach. I remember seeing that years ago. Um, David Nat. David Nat, yes. And, um, uh, and uh, Lyle Jones. Very good. Yes. And we will circle back to... Lyle Jones as well shortly, but mate, well done. Uh, there's been about 15, I think, over the journey, and uh, I'm going to read them out. Bill Bunker was our first recipient in 2005. Colin Edwards and Barry House were joint winners in 2006. Neil Ballard and Lyle Jones in 2007. Now, there's two absolute legends, former chairs of WA Country Cricket, huge contributions to country cricket. And I'll pause at this moment just to, to recognise Lyle, who very sadly passed away um, just a short time ago. And uh, for those who follow our Country Cricket Board um, Facebook site, you will have seen a tribute that we've put up to Lyle. I'd love for you to go and have a look at that and understand what a huge contribution Lyle Jones made to WA Country Cricket and was a previous award winner of this particular uh, recognition award. Uh, Bill Reynolds, absolute legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross Stephen, as you mentioned, in 2009. Kerry Easton, in 2011, no award. Kevin Burns, mm. uh, very much a legend of the Australian Country Cricket Championships, mostly as a scorer. Yep. Unbelievable when you dip into uh, Kevin's story. Uh, in 2014, Brendan King. Uh, Dale Burns in 15. David Natt in 16. Peter Sillinger in uh, uh, 2018, Rodney Ford, 19. Of Steve, <laughs> sorry, Rodney Ford, yes. Yep, absolute jet, and I think you might have nominated him just quietly, Tim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Steve Phillippe in 2021 and Brian Evans in 2022. And again, congratulations to Tim Edmonds. In 2023, the WA Country Cricket Board Recognition Award winner. I'm having trouble with my words, so I think we'll we'll move into our, our uh, dance move a bit quicker so I can move on, but uh, well done, mate. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be formally um, uh, presenting that at another event down the track, but uh, we wanted to do that on Out on the Paddock, so fantastic way for us to get going. But talking about get going... Where did it all get going for Tim Edmonds? Where did the first time a cricket ball appear in Tim Edmonds' hands? Um, yeah, um, you, you asked me the question, I suppose the, the pre-questionnaire, you know, and it was, it was a bit of a reflection period. I actually didn't play, you know, I suppose now the tr- traditional ways you go through your entry-level programs and your junior blasters and the likes. So I, I skipped all that. I used to do little athletics and it got to a point where I got pecked by a magpie in the eye, uh, well, nearly in the eye, and I turned, I turned away from that and went to cricket, which was, I think, at about under-13 level, um, you know, straight into, I suppose, hardball cricket. Back then, you know, under-13s was school-based and um, my first coach was, yeah, Ross Stephen, who we mentioned earlier, and it's funny because I still remember a lot of Roscoe-isms, as they say, um, coaching Roscoe-isms, which are still in the back of my mind today, which I suppose is, a, is an influence of a good coach. Ross Stephen was also, from memory, uh, one of our earlier country cricket managers yep. um, and clearly had some impact down in, in the, the Great Southern and, and one of those he impacted on was yourself. Mm. Uh, he was a bit of a character, Ross, or he's, still is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he still is still a character. Um, his son actually played in the team as well, one of his three sons um, played in the team. So... Um, you know, I'm not sure if he was if he was allowed to coach the Albany Primary Under-13s team as well as his development officer role, but he certainly did. Um, you know, we had we had you know little centre wicket games at training. We wouldn't be in the nets; we'd be playing centre wicket games, and it'd be if you turn blind, it's minus five, or uh, you know. And then then there was you'd always uh, talk about rocking the baby, which is making sure you got your front elbow up, top top hand, and 
And then I was uh, looked through the window and pulled down the blinds for pace bowlers for you get your front arm up and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that stuff sticks in my memory. It's really good times. I well remember him coming to a training session at Harvey Benja when I was playing still um, at that time at Harvey. And uh, he came and did a session with the kids and then the adults turned up and or the, the players turned up and I can remember him whispering to me, have all the kids gone yet? And I said, yeah, I think they have. And next minute out came a uh, esky from the back of the ute and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we moved on to something quite different from coaching cricket. So <laughs> he didn't mind a drink, I don't think, mm. uh, did Ross. Um, so Albany, 13, like you say, um, you, you sort of uh, quickly moved into senior cricket from there, uh, from from what I understand, and, and st- so started a, a love affair with the Railways Cricket Club. Before that, had mum and dad sort of had some influence in cricket? Had dad been involved in cricket with your nuffiness these days? Where, where did the cricket nuffiness come from? My family is probably the least sporting family, I reckon, going around. Um, you know, I always joked that I'd be a better cricketer if I had a brother or, or a dad who could bowl in the backyard to me. Um, but they were, they've always been like massively supportive of me, but none of my, my sister did, obviously didn't play, um, played a bit of tennis, didn't play cricket. So I drove everyone nuts wanting to play cricket. I would have to throw the ball against a brick wall, uh, the tennis ball against a brick wall, or um, as you say, the old days where you'd use mum's stockings or whatever and put your cricket ball in and the ball would go whack <laughs> into the patio roof. So that, that was, that's basically, that was basically my cricket. It wasn't really um, anything in the family to, to lead me towards it. I think my mates played and I think that's why we all play, isn't it? The, our mates play, we want to have some fun and, um, yeah, it was just a tragic. You, talk, you told me about a firm handshake by somebody at <laughs> under-16s that really got you uh, hooked. You tell, tell me about the firm handshake story. Yeah, I, I, I was, we'd moved into a house. I wasn't too far from the Railway Career Club and one of my good mates lived, lived down the road and, um, we were actually good family friends with them as well. And a lot of my close schoolmates actually went down to Collingwood Park, which was another another strong club in the Albany Cricket Association. And I had two choices. I could have gone with them and I probably wouldn't have got a game if I went to Collingwood Park with my real close mates. Or I could have just – or I could go within walking distance to railways. And, and I chose railways. And there was a guy who was my coach who was a quite intimidating fellow I was introduced to. His name was Brian Woods. and He shook my hand really firmly and – um, and then he just punched me in the arm for no particular reason. He's like, yeah, welcome, welcome, young fella. And he's like, I'm anyone who knows Woodsy, um, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way he goes about it. Um, there was always, a, you know, um, he was firm but also had a high level of care, I suppose, as well. So um, very passionate, very competitive. That's probably where I probably got my competitive streak some might say, um, from Woodsy. Um, but, yeah, he was my coach in the early years at Railways. It wasn't too long before you started to really, you know, get some leverage, I suppose, in the senior team. And I note by the age of 19, you were already the captain, the club captain. So how did that evolve and who were the influences behind that? Yeah, I, um, I debuted when I was 16, but I think that period there was a, just about to be a massive turnover in players. So... You know, Woodsy was probably the club's most influential player over its at that time, thirty years. You know, helped form the club. Um, you know, the club was formed in nineteen seventy-seven. He actually moved to Perth. There was a number of other senior players left, and there was only a couple um, left. And you know, one of them was you know Terry Eaton, who was who had actually come out of retirement. I think when he was when he came to Albany at the age of forty in in, in the mid nineties. So that's 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 an amazing story in itself. You'll probably get him on as a guest at one time. No doubt as well, but um, it ended up being just a few senior players, myself and and a, and a bunch of kids, and there was a, there was a lot of guys who had probably done it before. And um, yeah, Terry was the president at the time, and sort of threw me in the deep end. Well, or probably it, it was the deep end, um, even though I had a lot of support around me. But yeah, I did that for a couple of years, and we were um, we were rubbish. <laughs> oh, we we battled away. We were. I reckon in my, I probably reckon in my first 40 A-grade games, I reckon we won maybe 10, if, if that. So the club had fallen in a bit of a hole. And, um, yeah, you have, to, you have to learn pretty quickly to sink or, you know, to sink or swim. And I remember, I'm at, at best, Rob, I'm an average cricketer, like genuinely average. And we were, you know, we were at the case of being the laughing stock and we were belittled. And I was belittled at times. You know, you grow up with, you grow up as a sixteen-year-old, and these 
there's the the doings of Albany cricket, grown men, you know, back those days when there'd be, you know, some sledging, they'd make it tough for you. Um, so you, you, you learn you learn pretty quickly and it goes one way or the other. So we had recently had uh, Craig Tonkin. Um, oh, that's, as, that's a classic example. <laughs> that's uh, a classic example. <laughs> and he talked about the incredible strength of Albany cricket, you know, through his time and in particular uh, referencing your time in the in the 2000s uh, some really really strong cricketers in all clubs so railways obviously were going through a bit of a, a downer who were the clubs that were really dominating and who were the players that you remember that were quite intimidating yeah Collingwood Park would probably they just entered a real golden probably period they were I think they won four straight flags from like 2005 to 2004 to 2008 um some some of their players, you know, oh, they, they represented Albany for a long period of time. They were, you know, they actually had a really good even team. You know, the likes of Craig Donkin and and Dale Robinson, um, very intimidating. Robbo, especially, I get along with him really well now, but God, he was intimidating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he would, you know, he would if he wasn't bowling, he would stand at short leg just to just to chat to you. And <laughs> and so that, that's some of my memories. You know, like um, North County, extremely strong. Craig Tonkin, Tonks at the start of it. Um, I remember my first couple of games opening the batting against him and I came out to do square leg after he eventually knocked me over after I you know, played a miss for 20, 20 overs. Um, Stan next to him square leg and he's, and he's seemed to try and tell me that was well batted. And I, I did, couldn't, didn't believe this was actually the same bloke who was just about to, <laughs> just ripping my head off. And, and that's what it was like. It was the guys were extremely competitive on the field, but they'd be you know, the first to have a beer with after, if you could get over that, if you could get over the fact that they were, that it's competitive and what happens on the field stays on the field. Some didn't like it, um, but I suppose that's what I was introduced to at a young age, you're competitive, but yeah, you have a beer and, and a chat after the game. I can remember well at uh, Senior Country Week how strong Albany were through that period as well. And were you starting to get into Country Week yourself at that point? Yeah, I can't remember the exact year I... Played a number of years in, in the second team. That was unbelievable fun. You know, we won a cup. I think, you know, we, we really punched above our weight, won a number of B section titles around the mark. So that was that was always the fun times amongst those players. A couple of them are still playing <laughs> in that. It's just a country week tradition. Um, yeah. shout out to uh, shout out to the captain for many years in that in Graham Wynard, who's who keeps coming up to me all the time. He, he won the, he's very close to 30 years of, of Country Week and he wants to be that Country Week legend. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, um, he goes every year. Yeah, so the years sort of blur into one, Rob, really, in regards to Country Week. It was just a tradition, you know, that time of year. He basically, basically went from playing three years of Junior Country Week on, onto Senior Country Week. It was, it was great fun. It was just your pencil into the calendar and you always want to go up there. Well, you're, you're pretty humble because I've got your record here. you you might uh, reference yourself as an average cricketer, but we celebrate average cricketers in country cricket because uh, that's uh, probably the majority of us, to be honest with you, Tim. But uh, frog box is fantastic <laughs> these days, but I tell you, it's the worst thing for me. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't end well. Or <laughs> I don't like how it's introduced. <laughs> I'll read. I'll read out your um, your brief. Two hundred and forty-three A grade games for railways. Um, you became or are a railways cricket club life member. Uh, you won, you, you talked about the low times, we might talk about the good times in a minute, eight A-grade premierships, including seven consecutive, which um, we speculate could be a record in country cricket. Um, I'll throw that challenge out there to those listening from other associations. I, I can't think of any. I think South Bunbury in Bunbury had a, a long run for a while. Colts have had a few runs, but I don't think of that length. Um, so seven consecutive in country cricket, you're a dual premiership captain. You, um, you were captain for four seasons. Uh, I mentioned your senior country week career, but that included an A-grade title in 2014, which I well remember, um, and you also won a country cup with, with Albany. So from a playing point of view, whilst that may not have been flowing with milk and honey with runs and wickets perhaps, but uh, you certainly surrounded and played with some amazing cricketers and got to enjoy some huge celebrations, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones, Rob. I, I suppose I've found myself into some good teams and, um, yeah, played with some great players. And you know, as I said, those early years in club level, probably didn't think I wouldn't know where my next win was going to come from. Um, but... Being in some really good teams is, is some really, really good memories there. When was the seven consecutive? Do you remember the years? 
Uh, yeah, um, we actually lost two before that to, to um, firstly, to North County, who was, you know, led by Craig Tonkin. I think that year made 130 not out and took five for 10. Um, well, we lazy lost, day at the office. Yeah, yeah. lazy day at the office. Um, yeah, we lost to many peaks the year after. Um, they chased our total nine down and it was, it started in 13-14, the 13-14 season and the seventh was, um, the seventh straight was, to technically it counts as a premiership, but it was the COVID interrupted year. Right, right. Okay. Are you still having a, a game or two when you get a chance? <laughs> no, you, we, we do this interview. You're down in Albany at the moment. I am down in uh, Albany. You, oh, yeah. You're not going to get the call up the you know next Saturday or something like that. No, I I don't know what it was, but you know the club's been struggling in in recent seasons. We lost a number of our you know I suppose generational players who were part of that success and been rebuilding. And I haven't played for a couple of seasons. Been in Perth, um, you know, coaching club cricket up there. But um, I said I would come down to, to play a few games. I've played two and I was, God, Rob, I, I just, I, it was a real insight into how sore you can be. I couldn't <laughs> walk for four days. And like people, people say cricket, you don't need any fitness for cricket. I think that's a joke. So I couldn't walk. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, well, was, it was good fun. I'll give you some insights. I'm uh, uh, nearly a month out from having played four games in five days in Christchurch in New Zealand for our <laughs> WA over 55s, and I still can't get out of bed. So, yeah. you know, uh, it doesn't get any better as you get older, mate. So well, uh, I'm, I'm a uh, buckle in for the ride. I'm 37 and I'm, yeah, I'm cooked. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the other side of the oven is on for me as well, but uh, we, this is about you, not me today. I want to really now move into talking about your coaching because that's obviously become part of your your life, not beyond cricket, but certainly is the next phase, you could say. And I, I've been remiss in not calling out right from the get-go that currently you are the WA Cricket Pathway Coach and uh, I'm going to try and get some understandings of, of what that is shortly. But let's just dive back into your journey as, as a coach and um, and obviously one of the things that we want to discuss is your time as coach of the WA Country 11 men's team at the Australian Country Cricket Championships, which uh, I know you rate as probably some of the best years of your life or uh, a highlight in your life and uh, a difficult decision earlier this year for you to, to step down from that role for various reasons. Um, but where did the coaching journey start? Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, people always ask, they go, does, does coaching find you... Or do you find coaching? And I, and I still don't really know how this worked, but you know, I'd always had a bit of a, a bit of a passion for it. And I'd I'd got back from England and, and moved back to Albany after being in Perth, and we needed a coach for our under seventeens team at Railways. And, and Terry really didn't, as the president, didn't really ask me if I was interested. He made <laughs> as me, Terry does, yeah, he made me the coach of the under seventeens <laughs> team. So. I wasn't overly keen because they played on Sundays after, can you imagine spending all weekend at cricket or as you probably know what it's like to do that. So I sort of was pushed into it, I wouldn't say reluctantly, but um, and then that probably took over in, and I think from, that was when I was about 24 and I think from that point onwards, other people started to become more of my focus than my own playing. I'd still be playing, but if it was an average training session, I wouldn't be really focused on my own game. I'd be focused on other people's games. So, you'd, you know, you'd coach the under-17s from 4 o'clock to 5 and then, you know, senior training. So I sort of fell into this, not only the coach of the under-17s team, but almost like an accidental club coach. I, I, I still have never actually, was never actually appointed as a coach of the railway screen. I just sort of did it. Um, I, I, would you call it coaching? I'm not sure. Mentoring, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think things moved on from there, and and there was, I suppose, some yeah other various chapters along the line where where things progress progress from just being junior cricket onwards. At what point um, did you start to get involved with the, the the echelon, the top of WA country cricket, and in particular the country eleven, and and perhaps was there a bit of a, mm. a journey through the Colts? which is yeah. quite often a, a process that some enter in through. It was very strange because I'd, I'd just coached Albany's Junior Country Week team and we, we'd won the A-section title in, in thrilling fashion. It was a bit like how we won the country championships in Shepparton. We lost our first couple and came from behind and won on the final day. Um, and Tim Lees, who was the country 
recruiting coordinator at the time, working under Steve. He gave me a call and I, I, knew, I knew Lizzie and he, he asked if I was interested in being the manager for the country Colts or a manager slash assistant coach role that was going to be working under Stewie Walters at the time. And I knew what the country Colts was, um, but I wasn't quite sure what I could really bring to that and asked what it was what was required. And he said, yeah, you're going to have to make about five trips to Perth um, after your club cricket and <laughs> come up for a game on, on Sunday and travel all the way back. So... I said, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why I did. I said, yeah, I'm, yeah, no worries. I'll give it a crack, and I might get to learn from someone like like Stewie, who'd, who played high level cricket, good, massive county career. Um, and Lizzie actually rang me back. I think moments later, and he goes, oh, by the way, the the country level needed manager as well. Do you want to do that? <laughs> and I had, actually had no idea what that was. I, I was like, I didn't know who had been previously. I know you know a couple of players who had played in my club, like Julian Cordelli had played in the country. Country eleven years years um, years before, and you know I said why not? Um, and I tell you that was a um, a real real steep learning curve. My first year doing that at, at Mount Gambier. So <laughs> about to much, baptism of fire. <laughs> I don't know how much time we've got, but um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I was I was thinking about it the other day, and Lizzie was great, and and I, I joke about this now with 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 Biddy Shane Bidwell, who's who's the manager now, who I got on board to do it. In my first year as the manager, him and Rodney Ford were two of the most intimidating characters. They, they, <laughs> I wouldn't say they made my life difficult, but I felt like I was walking on eggshells around him. Biddy wanted me to tape his shoulder every day with these pre-cut pieces of rock tape before, and I, I didn't know how to tape a shoulder, but he gave me some direction. The reason I was <laughs> taping his shoulder was because we didn't take a physio back then. We, no, we, had, we, had to right. book, we had to book a physio. Mm. So come day one, we're playing in Mount Gambia and I'm nervous as hell. I'm, I'm trying to get the drink sorted and the ice and, the, and you need to get the right lollies, otherwise everyone cracks the shit. Um, <laughs> and everyone's asking, where's this physio? And I, and I rang, I rang Lazy and I went, Tim, um, mate, the physio's not here. And he goes, mate, mate, I'm so sorry. And I go, what, 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 Lazy? He goes, oh, I've had a mare. I've booked a physio for Mount Isa. <laughs> I've gone, what do you mean, mate? He goes, I rang Mount Isa and booked a physio. I was like, Mount Isa's, I think Mount Isa's in Queensland, I'm pretty sure. It is, yes. About as far away from Mount Gambier as you can get. <laughs> so we have no physio. I'm trying to explain this to the players. The players don't give a rat's ass. They're, they're blaming me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how that's how things really started. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, three, three years as manager, um, and uh, yeah, and eventually went on to be coach. I think that's up there in folklore of uh, WA country cricket uh, at the Australian Country Cricket Championship. That's, just point, quietly. That's, that's country cricket, that is. You know. Yeah, that is. Absolutely. Yeah, no worries. We'll just uh, on the rest day whip up to Mount Isa for a bit of physio, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. From there, um, when, did the, when did the moment arrive where you were offered the opportunity to actually coach the, the, the men's country 11 team? Yeah, we'd had some, um, we'd had some couple of Mount Gambia. Then we moved in the the competition actually changed. We went to one day in T Twenty cricket, you know, full colours. It was a big, big, big change for the for the country championships. We went to Wollongong. I was still the manager. We won't talk about Wollongong, um, Rob. We won't talk about um, Wollongong. No. Have you, have, you, have you seen you know Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, Indiana Jones, where they just push the ark into that um, never to be found. Um, again, that's Wollongong for us. Um, well, it's more like for me, you know, that um, the, the Faulty Towers episode <laughs> where we, you don't mention the war. Well, in Australian, in WA country cricket, we don't mention Wollongong. So, yeah, so Wollongong we'll on. was a nightmare. We weren't great. Um, Geraldton, we went up there with renewed hope the next year as, as the host. We were we were no good. And in those two years, I think we won a total of six out of our 20 games it was. So we'd... We were dead set rock bottom. We were probably transitioning. If I'm being honest, as a state, we were transitioning where some of the experienced heads were almost at the end of their lifespan, their lives changed for various reasons, kids, families, work, you know, we're not professional cricketers. And we'd unearthed a few a few young guys, um, but the results weren't there. Um, I was offered the opportunity the following year to take us to Shepparton. Um, and, yeah, we – and. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> think, think that's that, that's a sort of like a bit of a 
bit of a fairy tale. Um, mm. Yeah, but it's pretty easy to bounce back. I always say when you're when you're on the bottom. Um, and luckily, we had this extremely motivated group of players. We prepared really well. You know, we brought in the, the new Country Cup competition, which prepared the players as best as ever. They got to play high quality standard cricket with the final at the Wacker. We went away with this young group of you know probably we average age of you know under twenty two. Most people would have been looking at the team and going, "Who's that? Like, who's this guy? Yeah. Like, what, what, yeah. What's he done? Or like, what, what does he bring? Or some of the names hadn't really." achieved a whole lot in country cricket um, from that point of view. And that that tournament probably stands out as a highlight for me in cricket for, for various reasons. It was just unbelievable. I think it stands out in a high, as a highlight of WA country cricket across 130 years, to be honest, Tim, and that sounds pretty melodramatic, but I was there. And uh, for those who weren't, it was it was something to behold. Mm. This young team, as Tim said, of a lot of, and, and I say this politely, no names that hadn't mm. really appeared at um, an, uh, that sort of level before. Yeah. Uh, started off pretty ordinary. Yeah. Uh, first couple of games, I remember uh, myself and Steve Phillippe who were wandering around doing the, the well, I don't actually know what we do, but we just sort of wander around yep. uh, watching. And uh, I think <laughs> I think we sort of looked at each other and went, well, here we go, Wollongong and, and Geraldton, we haven't actually moved on mm. from, from. But yep. then momentum just started, didn't it? Do you want to sort of tell everyone what happened after yeah. about game one or two? Yeah, we were. Yeah, it was. It was. It looked like a case of new names, same results after day one. We would. So day one is obviously two T Twenty matches, and we've we've been put on the like the showpiece ground, the main ground um, in Shepparton. They'd played the ACA Masters game there the night before, and what looked on the wicket was the it was they're, they're footy and cricket grounds, um, and the cricket ground was obviously in the, the the block, the square was in the middle of the the centre of the football ground, which had been just a mud pile obviously in summer and the grass hadn't actually grown back and there was a there was a patch in the wicket where there actually was actually no grass cover because it was the centre circle of the footy ground. Um, and the wicket, pardon my French, was absolutely complete dog shit. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, made, we made 90 against New South Wales and they got four or five down. We made 90 again against Queensland and we pushed them about seven down, I think it was. But early on in the day, I still reckon this was a bit. This was a block, like a building block to the next couple of days, because that group and we still all chat about it, and a number of the guys still put it as the highlight of their cricketing life. They they're a very rare bunch of bunch of individuals. We all got along extremely well, which is really important when you're living in each other's pockets for for seven days. Um, we'd prepared really well, but I got to the ground and I didn't really think of like how the warm-up was going to run and like maybe a bit of a warm-up game or something like that. And out of instinct, I just went to a player that I know was probably a bit of a natural leader. I went to Nathan Crudelli and go, mate, can you just run a warm-up game for us? And <laughs> he ran over to New South Wales who are who have for years had tormented us and and been, you know, belittled us really. He ran, runs over to them and, and asks and asks them if he can if he can borrow their invisible. Now he brought this game invisible back from the UK where he'd been winter and to describe it to people, it's basically touch rugby without a ball. Um, so it looks like a bunch <laughs> of idiots running around with their hands up. It's like a game of tag. So we played that in the morning and then we'd had the garbage results and I'm there thinking, oh, was that a good idea? Like maybe we're not taking this seriously enough. And essentially we were, I think, I just, I think we just lacked a bit of belief that we could actually get this done and um, in the change rooms that day after day one, I was probably as emotive as I ever, emotional, I'm a pretty emotional character for those who know me from be up and down. Um, I was emotional as I'd probably been and as raw as I'd been um, ever and we basically, <laughs> we developed this, we basically developed this mantra that if we're going to win this, we're going to have to, we're going to have to take the stairs, we're going to do the, do the hard yards now to to get there and and our captain Tim Hutchinson was brilliant. We had this sort of no excuses policy. It was bloody hot. It was it was forty degrees and you woke up at eight a.m. It was forty degrees at eight p.m. Right. And, no, and there was no complaining of the heat. You know, we, we had to play a game at eight a.m. the next day because of the heat policy, which essentially we hadn't adjusted to the time. We were essentially playing a game at five a.m. 
<laughs> I'll jump in at this point because, yeah. I, again, I was there. It mm. got to 44 degrees mm. that day. It is absolutely the hottest I've ever experienced. It, was, it said 44, but I reckon it had to have been hotter. It was, yeah. it wasn't it. You couldn't go outside. It was burning. Mm. It was yeah. that hot. It was, and the, the thing, the thing, that was the first point where a domino fell in our favour is we're obviously way behind after day one with two losses and the sec- the afternoon game, which we had the buy for, the afternoon fixture was abandoned due to the heat policy. So the teams actually didn't get any points for that. So we're like, oh, okay, that's good. We'd won that game. We'd grinded and, and you know, defended, I think, 120 against Victoria, and we got, we'd got on the board, which was fantastic. And then we beat South Australia the next day in a T20, and we'd played all our T20s, and I think we walked away with a – Two might have been two losses and three wins. We'd ground, well, we ground our way back to level pecking. Then you head into the five one days. Um, thankfully, got a rest day back then. I think there was or rest mm. afternoon because <laughs> <laughs> this was the most demanding physical tour I think I've I've been a part of. And we just keep building this momentum. And everyone had their little moment in the sun along the way where they'd play their role. They, they would they would you know, take three wickets or four. Or our pace bowlers were. Were magnificent, and we got to the day, the, the the second last. There was no final in the structure back then, so it was a case that you just win overall. You get, you know, four points for a one day win, or you can get bonus points to make it five or six. We got to the last day, second last game against South Australia, who had struggled, and the equation was: if we win with a double bonus point, we win overall with a day to spare. And everyone, team meeting, everyone was like, "Are we going for it?" Are we going for it? And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's keep a lid on this. Let's just get ourselves into a position where we can win the game. And we were batting first and there was probably nothing more pleasing that we got to this position where we're going to look like we're going to post a total of about 200 and maybe 240. And Zane Marwick and Tom Buchanan, who had, you know, had patchy sort of patchy sort of tours but two extremely talented players, they literally put the foot down and I think they put on 90 in about – 11 or 12 overs, um, it was unbelievable. And we ended up making 320, I think it was. But, and when you make 320, if you bowl a team out for you know less than 50% or under 150, let's say, you get the double bonus point. So once you get to 300, you know you're a real chance of, of doing that. And we're eventually able to. Um, and, yeah, the, the scenes the are incredible. Yeah. The, yeah, the scenes are incredible. And <sighs> probably the most pleasing thing, Rob, is the next day, Oh, sorry, there was a bit of a pack that night, <laughs> a pack that day where we went, no, 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 we're not going to go stupid tonight and celebrate. We're actually going to just enjoy a few quiet beverages and because we've got New South Wales tomorrow, <laughs> we, want to, we want to finish this tour beating everyone and they've dished it out to us over the years and we're going to do the same. I think a few guys went, went silly anyway that night. <laughs> but um, we got to the ground the next day and New South Wales, it's like a flashpoint back to day one. New South Wales are still running through their little rope ladders and got their S&C blokes and high level of resourcing around their team. And they are absolutely miserable. They are <laughs> miserable. They don't want to be there. And over on, over across the, in my vision to the left is a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of red units playing invisible in 40 degrees, running around stupidly. Like you wouldn't do this as a warm-up if it's a 40-degree day. You'd be sitting under, a, under the shade. Um <laughs> And then, and then that, that, then you can just see, you know, how important it is. Probably, I'm thinking as a coach, you know, how important it is to have a, a really fun environment which relaxes everyone, which brings the best out of everyone. And um, I was probably a bit too serious at times, and and, that, and they balanced that out really well. We ended up playing in the one day grand final the day after and smashed Victoria and took out the overall and, and the one day competition. Amazing result, and like I say, one that will live in probably. History of WA country cricket. Um, sadly, uh, the years after that, not sadly, it, the team continued to be exceptional for many years after that. Toowoomba, mm. uh, even Canberra last year, obviously, with the interruption of COVID, the heights of Shepherd and you, you, you probably can't, you know, surpass um, if you think about it now on reflection, I'm guessing, as a coach. Yeah. But clearly, some maybe some regret or some disappointment that it wasn't able to be repeated and you got so close in subsequent um, tournaments? Yeah, we'd, we'd never won back-to-back and 
the, the nucleus of the 2019 team had gone away to, to Toowoomba. Um, we lost Hutchie, um, the birth of his child. So we, but Jeremy Wood ended up being captain, which was, it was fantastic. He led the group really well. You know, some new players come and go, but the core was there and we took on Victoria. That actually changed the format again. <laughs> so it actually was an overall grand final. We, we took on Victoria who had, you know, emerged with a new coach and, we did reasonably well to keep them to 190. You know, 190 is probably worth a bit more when you're tired after a tournament's probably worth more than 200. Started poorly with the bat, but we got to a point where we were building and and then out of the blue, a shower came. Rain, it wasn't mm. even on the radar and it we lost a significant amount of time. But when we came back on, we needed something, I think it was maybe 30 30 runs off 18 balls to get us ahead on Duckworth Lewis because we knew there was another shower coming and we only probably had five overs of you know, 30 balls before this shower would eventually wipe out the entire day. Um, yeah, and we, we lost wickets. You know, every time you lose a wicket, you, you, the runs go up and, you know, we lost a couple and then the final shower hit and wiped us out, which was which was a shame and, you know, probably been a few guys were yeah, pretty emotional in the rooms after knowing that there's probably an opportunity slip and, and then probably yeah. the, the double dagger of, you know, the next couple of years, you couldn't actually go back to make amends with, with the COVID break and that really halted, I suppose, our momentum as, you know, oh, you don't like to speculate, but I don't know, that, that group could have, you know, could have won a couple. Of, yeah. National champs, and we'll, once again last year in in Canberra, you look from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty three. Four years is a massive time. A lot of guys, their lives change with kids, and they get older, and you know, maybe a bit slower, and <laughs> and the likes. And once again, we yeah we we started poorly, but really galvanised, and we're the only team to beat Victoria. But we were, on reflection, we didn't play great cricket. What we could compared to what we played, we were still finishing second. So. That's another <laughs> just yeah, two two runner ups in in two tournaments. Just for a few minutes, can you maybe explain some of the thoughts or some of the thinking behind as coach the selection process? Because obviously the coach has some some influence into that. Um, a lot of cricketers, perhaps listening now, who are you know maybe going, oh, hey, I reckon I'm I'm at that level. How do I get seen? How do I get captured? What what some of the the processes in your time as coach that um, you went through to identify the right person to go away to something like the Australian Country Cricket Championships? Yeah, um, great question. One one, one thing we really um, wanted to make clear on in a bit of a restart was a lot of guys had across across the state have done have done plenty in the game and in their associations and clubs, but we wanted to really put the baggy black cap at at a pinnacle. So it's not about necessarily what you've done. It's more a case of what are you prepared to do to achieve that. And and I was probably, you know, it sometimes t- took my eye off um, realising that obviously these guys aren't professional cricketers, but, you know, we wanted everyone to work really hard and, and commit to the program. So... In that first year, that included, I think, four trips, four games of Sunday cricket for the Country Cup and, and two rounds of Premier T20s. I think it was like six Sundays in eight weeks as, as well as their club cricket, as well as their normal lives and families and, and partners. Um, but I think we had to do it and, and everyone bought in. So I, I suppose a, a squad mentality of buying into the program was was probably the first thing what we wanted to do. We wanted to see who was actually really, really committed. Um, and then it was a case of, yeah, how how demar- physically demanding is this? It's country week on on steroids. It's not guys standing around the slips. It's intense one day and T Twenty cricket. So, are we fit enough? Are we durable enough? Um, what's our primary skill? Is it can we score at a high strike rate? Can we can we bowl? You know, if we're a pace bowler, do we bowl at, at the right pace? Do, uh, uh, is is fielding? Your fielding is non negotiable. Um, you got to have a strong arm. You got to be agile on the field. So. It probably the way the format changed, it really turned into a young man's game from when we moved from Mount Gambier, which is red ball, white in whites and, and two-day cricket, to one-day coloured kit, white ball, action-packed. Um, so 
the age demographic of probably all states shifted in that respect. There's some great insights there um, and I know um, part of the journey for you with coaching was to to try and see as many kids as possible and, and you've identified those um, uh, those aspects of what you were looking for, but also the use of the Country Cup as we revamped it back in uh, around about 2017-18, it clearly had some impact and right now we're, we're looking at that program again to see where it's headed and, and uh, how it's going to evolve because things just continue to evolve every time you rest on your laurels as we probably have done at times over the journey with, with the Australian, at the Australian Country Creek Championships or in particular with our Country 11 men's team. Uh, that's probably when we've dropped the ball, when we haven't continued to look at ways to innovate. And I know that's something that you ha- had a huge focus on uh, throughout your time as coach. The decision to pull out as coach, um, was that something that was, well, give us the story as to what that, how that evolved. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd probably in the years before in, in 20, was it 2021, I'd, I'd made the decision I, I wanted to really pursue coaching to do that. I probably had to, I had to move to Perth and I had to have left my, I left my job as a career manager at the Wacker to move to Perth and I coached the Claremont Netherlands and, and Midland Guildford last season. That was obviously very demanding as well. But I think sometimes you just have to understand when your time is up and when I think a new voice is required. And I think my energy levels, as much as I would say, and I'd be still really invested in the program. I don't think my actions and I wouldn't get out of bed on a match day on a Sunday with the same energy. Um, and I think that was probably as much as some probably think that's not the case and they wanted me to do it and some maybe wanted me to move on. I don't know. Not all coaches are popular with everyone, but I wanted to, I didn't think giving a half-baked effort was the right thing. And I think it was time for a new voice and, and I knew there was a couple of people out there who could do it um, and the time was probably the right time now and obviously I'm still involved in, in, in a small way at the moment and I'm, I'm going to have my phone, um, the MyCreate app or PlayCreate app is going to be on non-stop um, when the country <laughs> this year. But, yeah, just acknowledging when your time is up and, and it's time for a new voice was um, the thing that I, that I, that I did. It was, it was quite easy for me. Even, even though the decision was really hard, it was, it, I, I'd come to the decision um, quite easily in that respect. Your role now as as um, pathway coach at WA Cricket, um, do you want to explain a little bit what your day-to-day is now? Yeah, I, I thankfully, um, I suppose, yeah, it's it's something I've always wanted to do and I was lucky enough to secure the position at WA Cricket in July. Um, Pathways coach for the male program, I, I suppose my primary responsibility is overseeing, overseeing the state 17s program. Um and looking across the talent pathway from under, you know, under 17s down, so that includes country, under 15s. We recently recently had the under 15 talent carnival, um, youth academies in the winter. So <laughs> I think I've found my calling. I'm, I'm extremely excited. I, I wake up with an absolute buzz to go to work every day. Um, we're about to we're about to head away on January 2, the same day as, as the country 11. We're about to head away to the under 17 national championships in Ballarat. So not too far from. Not too far from Newcastle, and I think I'm going to have to. Yeah, so I think someone's going to have to lock my phone away because <laughs> the amount of time I spend on play cricket, looking looking at scores, and I'll be I'll be following um, that so closely as much as I can. So, yeah, I'll be at the airport, but I, I won't be going away with a country team for for once, which is a which is a very will be a very different feeling. And you do have a life outside of cricket because I know you, oh, barely. you do a, <laughs> barely, yes, barely, but you do a bit of footy umpiring, um, and I know yeah. you, you you enjoy that and it keeps you fit. I'm guessing keeps me fit. Um, it pays really well if anyone's keen to get into it. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I don't mind copying a bit of a uh, bit of abuse every now and then. It's just you know, water for ducks back, and I think my skin's pretty thick. So yeah, I enjoy doing that. Um, we realised a long time ago I wasn't going to make it as a player. I didn't really enjoy it as much as I used to. So getting to umpiring and, um, yeah, that certainly keeps me busy in, in winter and it keeps me relatively fit. So enjoy great, it. Great way to give back. And right now we need uh, a few putting their hand up to umpire cricket uh, around regional WA. It's one, definitely one of the challenges we've got at the moment. And 
Uh, we've talked about that uh, on, on previous episodes as well and we'll continue to because it's such an important part of our game mm. and the respect for umpires um, that uh, needs to go with that is something else that we'll uh, continue to call out. Um, you, um, you did have, um, and we won't delve into this too deep, um, but... Um, you, you, you've also had some some health battles from a perspective that you wrote about some time ago in in your job as a journalist and sort of brought to bear around uh, a mental journey. Do you want to just give a few moments on that? Yeah, um, yeah, there was probably a, yeah, a time where you yeah you you're deeply uh, I suppose ashamed of, but certainly no, there's no fault in. Well, there's there's nothing wrong in getting more people to put their hand up and acknowledging that they're not going okay is is something we want to obviously keep peddling in in cricket. You just look at the um, the I suppose the sponsorship now that WA Cricket has, um, you know, the Think Mental Health campaign. Um, is, yes, it's, it's at the forefront of WA Cricket. But yeah, at the time, I'd I'd recently <laughs> finished as a as a journalist and I was going through a few struggles through myself. And for some reason, I don't, I don't know how I got to this point, but decided to you know pen a column. Um, I just started as the cricket manager. I was I was not almost a year in, in the role as cricket manager in the Great Southern. So I just, for some reason decided to pen a column um, on some issues that I was overcoming to you know try and promote and, and try and do some good in the community. I, I thought that as I, I found that to be a most people would think that's an unbelievably hard, hard thing to do, but I, I found it as a real safe space and. A lot of the staff there, obviously, still I worked with and trusted, and and you know what I'd wrote, written was not going to get changed and the like. So I didn't think much of it until they plastered it on the front page of the paper um, with a photo of myself and and um, yeah, it was it was very very difficult because I had a lot of um, a lot of people reach out to me who I had no idea who I'd never met before. Um, some I, I knew through cricket circles who wanted to thank me for for helping them, you know, take a bit of weight off their shoulders and they were saying it was really brave and I didn't really see it to be too much of, too much of that and I, I, after a while I, I realised you know, what I'd done um, was was quite significant and probably quite significant in my life and helped and help change my, my outlook because, you know, I... Um, had a period where you know, I probably thought my life was um, terrible. What they say that you know, comparison is the th- is the thief of joy, um, <laughs> and things were were fine. But my mind was my mind was telling me that my life was was terrible. But it's um, yeah, I, I'm glad I did it, and obviously my outlook on, on things have, has changed significantly now. We will be putting more and more focus, um, certainly in 2024, through this podcast and other things via the Country Cricket Board around, especially around the sponsorship we now have with Mental Think Again, which is an outstanding sponsorship in my opinion. I think it just really nails where we're at um, in regional WA in particular. I'm only calling that out because that's all I can comment on, but so many um, guys, so many young ladies, so many people of all demographics, uh, you know, are going through some battles and we've just come through one of the world's greatest disruptors, uh, a little thing called a pandemic that is... That has played its role as well. So um, your call out is is timely, and we're going to probably put a little bit of a focus on that in subsequent episodes. So uh, if you get the opportunity, you can somehow dig up Tim's article. I'm sure you could find it on on uh, a Google somewhere, googling somewhere or somehow. Or uh, that article, uh, we might even try and grab it somehow and put it in the show notes. I'm sure, mate. That uh, uh, whilst it was um, cathartic. If that's the word for you, I'm sure it helped many others as well and called out a battle that many go through on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. I can't help but uh, circle back to uh, my opportunity to, to do something called a power surge and so I've got a, one or two other questions because one, one of the other things I noticed that you, uh, you also have done in an amazing short time in your 30-odd years is you also did some commentary um, like as in radio commentary. So yeah. you've been a radio commentator as well along the journey. Um, so two final questions and they're related to that um, <laughs> that I want to throw out there. Right now, cricket's in full swing across uh, Australia. 
who do you rate as the best commentator on uh, on cricket at the moment? Who's who's the doyen? I mean, we lost Richie many years ago. Yeah. Who's 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 the go-to for Tim Edmonds when it comes to cricket commentary? I think um, I like Ishigua's intel and their intelligence. Um, but what I think the person who brings the theatre these days, and, and you probably don't, people don't probably put him in the, in this um, in this category. But I think Ian Smith from New yeah. Zealand. Yeah, is absolutely magnificent when it comes to theatre. If you, you listen back to his call of the yep. 2019 World Cup, outstanding. When his own country loses in a Super yep. Over, outstanding, absolutely brilliant. He's 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 there at every major major moment in international cricket, and he brings the theatre into the lounge room. Uh, uh, you nailed it. I, I totally agree with you on that. There are some good commentators around. There's maybe some not so good commentators. I'll just say without mentioning mm-hmm. names, but. Uh, Ponting, sorry, Ponting's, Ponting's insight is probably so. Ponting from an insight point of view as well, and then Ian Smith for the theatre. Yeah, yeah. The the insight side of things. I think you know. Sadly, we lost Morney a, a year or two ago. I used to love, and he used to get bagged a bit. But his insights and his his reading of the game before anyone else could read it, in my opinion, was outstanding yeah. as a commentator. He could do it as a player, obviously, but he could yeah. also do it as a commentator. Yeah. So our last question, and uh, it is commentator-related because <laughs> the only commentator I have a, a, a connection with, some know this, having uh, done a Howie Games a few years ago, is with uh, Mark Howard from Fox from Fox Cricket at the Test match recently. Came out of I came out of the lift coming down from the members and walked straight into to Howie, who I uh, got to know a few years ago, and we sort of keep in touch occasionally with some texts from time to time and. Uh, you know, I, I do. I rate him. I, I know there's a few who don't, but I rate him. I think he's done. I think he's brought a different perspective, especially to the Big Bash League, yeah. with his style of commentary. So I am clearly a fan because he's a bit of, bit of a, bit of a mate now, I suppose you could say. So we can't help, in honour of of Howie and your your journey as a commentator, I have to ask the Howie question to finish 2023 out on the paddock. Tim Edmonds, pineapple on pizza or not? <laughs> yeah, pineapple on pizza, yep. Yeah, mate, well done. Well, you, you're a winner with Howie and certainly with me. It's got to be pineapple on pizza. Not but on all divide- pizzas, just certain pizzas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it divides nations, as Howie quite often calls out. It's one of those perplexing questions, but... Uh, that's where we're going to leave today's episode. Tim, it's been an absolute joy to have you on. Um, mate, I've been wanting to get you on for a while now and uh, your insights into especially the Country 11 process and your time as coach um, is is second to none in my opinion. Congratulations again on winning our WA Country Cricket Board Recognition Award. Um, you, you, you're, you are a clear and obvious recipient of that from our perspective this year. So thank you for joining us. Um, just before we finish, this is our last episode for this year. We will be back in 2024. I just want to give a shout-out to our sound producer on this show, Nat Marshall, who does an outstanding job. Um, and uh, we continue to, to mention the award that we won through Cricket Australia with the Media Initiative Award. And clearly that was at the hands of uh, our uh, ACRA-winning, award-winning uh, sound producer, Nat Marshall. So... Thanks, Natty, for everything you do and the way you keep me in in tow with uh, this particular podcast. I also want to just mention he's been a bit of a wingman for me this year through a number of episodes, and that's Cooper Clark Deering, who <laughs> will be playing at the uh, Australian Country Cricket Championships. Coop's a great kid and great cricketer just quietly. In fact, in my opinion, one of the, the best talents we've got in country cricket right now. Um, Coop's, thanks, mate, for uh, joining in and... Uh, some of those amazing episodes that we've had along the way. I'll just call them out too if you haven't uh, tuned in recently. You know, this year we've had some amazing guests, Barry and Graham House, uh, Steve Phillippe, who we've mentioned, uh, Wayne Harrington. We had Josh Vernon on an episode who's uh, certainly going places, not just in country cricket, but in West Australian and possibly Australian cricket. Uh, The new Country 11 coach, Sean Gillies. We also had Craig Tonkin, we mentioned and our most recent episode with Andrew Hayes. So you can go back and listen to all of those on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune into your podcasts. Check it out and uh, certainly do a do a bit of a review and rate us. That helps us as well. 
But that's it. That's a wrap for 2023. Tim Edmonds, thank you again for joining us on Out on the Paddock and uh, I'll give you the last word, mate. Uh, thanks for having me, Rob, and um, hopefully the country living go well and, and bring home another title in Newcastle um, in early January. We certainly hope so. We want to wish everybody a most prosperous new year for 2024 and stay tuned to Out on the Paddock. We will be back uh, with uh, bigger and better episodes again. And as we call it out, long live WA country cricket. Cheers. <laughs>